0: church this morning thank you team thank you to the whole creative team and everything that they do we often say thank you to the band but they're only a part of the whole creative team that go right up to the back and we just honor you this morning and thank you for making everything happen thank you Chrissy for all the filming thank you Stephen for the news all that work they put in it's just amazing in Jesus name you know, there was, a, <clears throat> there was a time when Jesus was just about to go to Gethsemane. And he called his disciples together and he said to them, knowing the hour was about to come, he knew what was about to happen. They had no idea what was about to happen, but he knew what was about to happen. And he said this to them, will you pray with me? And so he left them there to pray and he went into the garden of Gethsemane. He's sweating blood. He knows what's about to happen. He's wrestling with the will of God. He's wrestling inside of himself. And he comes back out to see that they're, if they're praying or not and they're all asleep. And he says to them, couldn't you just stay awake one hour and pray for me? Just one hour? Now, we know that they just didn't go to sleep because they were lazy or that they were not caring. But we know that there must have been a spiritual force that came on those men that put them to sleep at the very time they needed to be awake. And so Jesus went back into the garden, crying out to God again, wrestling with the will of God and finally says, Oh, Father, not my will but yours be done. And he comes back out and they're asleep again. And he said, couldn't you have stayed awake and prayed with me for just one hour, but too late. The moment is here. See, I wonder how differently it would have gone down when Jesus was arrested, if his disciples had been awake and prayed and were ready for the moment that was coming upon them. I wonder if Peter would have really cut off an ear. I wonder if they would have all scattered. I wonder if Peter would have denied him three times. I wonder if these things would have happened if they'd just been awake. Amen? I think there's no greater time in the history of the world, in the history of this world, that the Lord needs the church to be awake. And I feel like Jesus is reaching out with everything that's inside of him, longing to reveal himself, longing to show himself to you, saying to you, will you stay awake with me one hour? Because you don't know what's about to happen in this world, but I have come to prepare you for this. Amen. We're speaking about transform. You know, our, our, our vision, our heart, our culture of this church That comes out of our our values, which are experience, transform, and belong. We believe you need to experience God, to experience Him yourselves, not just to come to church and be told what to do and how to do it, but to experience Him 24 hours a day. And then by that experience, you will be transformed, and then... We will belong as a body of Christ together as we're transformed. Transform, if you look at the definition of that, is a marked change in form, nature, or appearance, a radical transformation. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this. Let's read it with that in mind. But we all with unveiled face... Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Spiritual transformation, I just want to read this to you, what I've written here, and then I'm going to go into it. Spiritual transformation occurs each day of our lives as believers, some days more, and some days less. Who, can, who knows that? Some days we're getting transformed a lot. Other days it feels like we're not being transformed a lot. In whatever case, God has designed your life to move in one direction only. You've been designed to move in a direction that makes you brighter and brighter as the days go by until it becomes like the brightness of the sun in its maximum brightness. That's, that's the plan of God. That your life, that, that then the corporate life of the church will grow brighter and brighter as each individual is transformed brighter and brighter into the very, into the very glory of God until we come to maximum brightness. Your life is not designed to stay stagnant ever, or worse still, go backward. At any given time, including today, there is a degree of brightness living inside of you. I want you to put your hand on your chest right now and say, I've got this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. (laughs) There's a degree of brightness. I want you to see yourself like brightness coming out of you. No matter where you're at in your world right now, there is a degree of brightness inside of you. Amen? The secret of constant transformation is to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. See, as we behold him, we become like him. As we look at him, we become like him. As we we get fresh revelation of him, we become like the revelation that we see and that we experience. As you see him, you become transformed by the power of God to become what you see. Do you get that? As you see him, you become, by the power of God, to become what you see. That's why it says, I'm going to read it again, but we all with unveiled faces, got unveiled faces because We've, we, we've been born again. And if you haven't been born again, you'll have an opportunity to take the veil from your face and really see Jesus today. But we're beholding as in a mirror. Do you know when you look in a mirror, you actually don't see the real image, do you? It's sort of a reflection. We're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. But as we're beholding it in a mirror, we we're, we're kind of, it's starting to take shape. The The... The, the image that we're seeing is starting to make sense to us. The more that we behold it, the more it comes into focus. The more that we behold it, the more the glory of the Lord is being revealed to us. And we then are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, from glory to glory, from glory to glory. As a Christian, you should be being transformed it is a process, it's a lifelong process and if it's not happening, you'll get discouraged, you'll get tired, you'll, get, you, you'll become religious and you'll start to do things out of religious duty rather than out, out of a revelation of Jesus, being so in love with Him that you want to look at Him every day and you want to be like Him, amen? That's what Christianity is supposed to be like, Hallelujah. As we see Him, not just in our prayer time, not just in our, in, our, uh, in our experiential time, but as we see Him in the Word, because the Word of God is Jesus Christ, amen? He is the Word, John says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. So as we see Him in His Word, we're going to constantly receive revelation about Him. Each revelation of Christ you receive upgrades your life and makes you brighter. Is that true? Amen. Revelations like the fan that blows on burning coals and each stroke makes it grow brighter. Keep beholding Christ constantly and you'll never be stagnant or go backwards in your life. Let's just pray. Holy Spirit, today I pray that you would reveal Jesus. Today, I pray you would reveal Jesus. Open our eyes, Holy Spirit, to see what you see and to feel him like you feel him. When you look at him, we want to feel what you feel, Holy Spirit. When you look at him, let us feel that today. Let us see him today. So my message is entitled, Revelation equals transformation or transformation through revelation. Revelation chapter 1 is probably one of the most detailed descriptions of the majesty of Jesus anywhere in the whole Bible. Amen? The revelation of Jesus Christ is the very first thing Revelation chapter 1 says. It says this, it introduces the book, And it's the only book in the Bible that says this, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is called the revelation of Jesus. It's the only book in the Bible that has that title. God the Father gave Jesus the commission to reveal himself. Amen? Now, many of us stay away from the book of Revelations because we go, oh, no, it's creepy, it's weird, I don't understand it, you know. All the things that you don't understand in that Bible would make sense to you if you would read chapter 1, 2, and 3 and understand who Jesus is and what he is saying to the church. Amen? You know that Jesus, when he repeats himself, It means that he really wants you to hear something. Who knows that? If he repeats himself once, twice, it's like, I really want you to get this. What about if he repeats himself 16 times in one chapter? 16 times. Actually, in in two chapters, he repeats himself 16 times the same phrase. In Revelations 1 and 2, he repeats this. For him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. For him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. For him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church 16 times. In the last days, he wanted there to be a people who would hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, not just hear it but understand it at a very deep revelatory level. Amen? I think it's amazing. It's interesting that the most powerful force in the universe is the revelation of Jesus. The most powerful force in the universe is the revelation of Jesus... And the Father has authority over that revelation. Who knows that? Do you get that? The Father has authority over everything. He has authority over that revelation. And in, in, in Revelations chapter 1, he commissions his son to go and reveal himself. Not to reveal himself as the man who walked the earth, so human and yet so God, but to reveal himself as he is and who he is in this age, now, after the resurrection. He said, I'm giving you authority to reveal yourself. The father literally commissioned the son and said, go and make yourself known. Now is the time, go and make yourself known. Known, They know you as savior. They know you as healer. They know you as the one who loves all people. They know you as the one. But do they know you as king of kings and Lord of lords and mighty God? Do they know you as the one who will come to judge and make things right on the earth? Do they know Jesus in his glory? That's why the book of Revelation is called the unveiling of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's what makes it so remarkable, because it's not just the unveiling of the Lord Jesus, but it's the unveiling of the Lord Jesus by Lord Jesus. It's Him unveiling Himself to the church, or to, at that time, the seven churches who were significant in the church to come. Amen? You're tracking with me? I really want you to get this, because I feel like this is a word right now. This is a now word. You know, sometimes I speak to you like a pastor today. I'm speaking to you as a prophet. And I want you to grab it in your heart of hearts that this is a word that I've got straight from heaven. And if you will grab it, if you will let your ears hear what the Spirit is saying, it will transform your life and it will transform the way you see your life and it will take you out of discouragement and despair into victory in Jesus' name. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's read on. Revelations 1, the revelation of Jesus who God gave him, the son Jesus, to show his servants things which must surely take place. So the point of the book of Revelations is the man Christ Jesus. That's the number one theme of the book of Revelation. It's not the plan, but the man behind the plan. Some people get all caught up on you know, all the analogies and all the plan and trying to work out the plan and how it's going to happen and what's going to happen in the last days. And they get so preoccupied with the plan that they miss the man, that it's about the man. Because if we don't know who Jesus is, like those disciples in the garden, we're not going to have what it takes to face what we need to face and that's why he was revealing himself. The name of the book is the unveiling of the man. So in these chapters, John gets a vision. John, the disciple John, who was the beloved of Jesus, he called himself I am John, the beloved of Jesus or the most loved of Jesus. He had a special relationship with Jesus Christ. He's now in his 90s and he's on the Isle of Patmos. It's been 60 years since Christ is resurrected. And he's on the Isle of Patmos, which is a little place just outside Greece in the Mediterranean. He's in prison for his faith. And and Jesus appears to him. And in chapter 1 to 3, we can identify the things that Jesus says to John, 33 descriptions that Jesus gives of himself. He unveils 33 descriptions. No wonder the enemy doesn't want us to read the book of Revelations. In three chapters, he gives 33 descriptions of himself. And those 33 descriptions, they, they, they basically are summed up in three things. They reveal his majesty. They reveal his ministry. And they reveal his personality. So that's your homework. I want you to go and read Revelations 1, 2, 3 and try and write down 33 places that Jesus reveals himself. Now, here in this place where he meets with John, he is revealed, he reveals himself as the son of man. This is really important. In the Gospels, he refers himself, he refers to himself as the son of man far more than any other description in his ministry. Do you know in the Gospels, he describes himself as the son of man 85 times. 85 times. Son of man, son of man, son of man. Again, repeating himself. What was he trying to say? What was he trying to say? There is only one description of the son of man I just have a weight or something to put on here, something weighty, to stop this blowing? Just the the mints will do anything. It's not going to ring, is it? Thanks. (laughs) That's all right, Frank, thanks. There's only one place in the scriptures that clearly described the Son of Man, and it's in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 to 15. And it says this, Daniel's having a vision. This is back in the Old Testament, way back in the Old Testament before Jesus was even a thought. And he said, I was standing in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. And then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. And then all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion and it shall not pass away. So what we're seeing here is that Daniel said once, revealed in the Old Testament once, that there would come one who would be the Son of Man and that would be the Messiah. Yeah? And Jesus comes on the scene and 85 times he refers himself to himself as the son of man. And what he's trying to say to his disciples, to the people he's speaking to, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, to all the people, he's trying to say, I am the man in Daniel 7. It's me. I am the man in Daniel 7. You know, when they're, when they're asking him, when, when they're asking him these things. You know, they're asking him, who do you say that you are? Son of man. And they say, do you say you're the son of man? The Pharisees would say to him, knowing Daniel chapter 7, do you say that you are he? And he says, I am who you say I am. But that, you know, wow. I just go, wow. This is exactly what I'm trying to tell you. He's saying, I am he. Amen? Amen. And so let's go to verse 10. John's on the Isle of Patmos. Let's imagine it for a minute. He's in prison. And it's very clear that you need to know the Bible says he was in the Spirit. Do you know what? You need to get in the Spirit a lot more. As, as, as Bree so beautifully said to us this morning, you get in the Spirit, everything changes. You get in the Spirit, you understand things. What's in the Spirit? It means just stopping, just closing everything off, and just waiting in the presence of the Lord. You know when you're in the spirit. You know when your spirit is connecting with God. You know that, and we need that every day. He was in the spirit, and he hears a loud voice behind him, and he turns around, and he sees this man. I want you to understand he does not recognize him at this point. He doesn't he sees a man. And the man says to him, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Who knows what that means? I am the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I came as a Messiah. I'm going to finish it off as a king. Amen. Hallelujah. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And then John says this, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands was one like the Son of Man. Who knows where the seven lampstands are? It's the church. Jesus is about to give John a message to the seven churches of that time. It's a message for the church. And it says, I saw seven lampstands. And listen to this. This is really important. And in the midst of the seven lampstands was one like the Son of Man. There is, Jesus is in the midst of his church right now. Right now. He's walking around here right now. He is in the midst of his church in China. He's in the midst of his church in Africa. He's in the midst of his church wherever his people, and I don't care if it's a Baptist, Catholic, Pentecostal, whatever you want to call it, whatever label you want to give it, Jesus is in the midst of it. It's just whether or not we recognize that. Because he's here, and you can sing songs all you like, but if you don't sing them to him, you're singing as if he's not in the room, but he is in the room. He's in the midst of the seven lampstands. So John looks and sees the son of man, but he doesn't recognize him. Because he says this. This is why he doesn't recognize him. You want to know why? Because what? Jesus walked the earth. You reckon he looked Mediterranean, brown hair. You know, he looked a lot different. But here he says... His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. Now, I just want you to know this. John knows the Scriptures. And he knows that in Daniel chapter 7, in that vision, when Daniel talks about the Ancient of Days being God, being God, he knows that in that vision, God the Father had white hair like snow. I want to read it to you. I watched... Daniel 7, 9, I watched till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated, which is God. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. I'm sure John must have been thinking, looking at this image of this man that he doesn't know who it is, but he's got hair like white wool. And he goes, Daniel said that God had hair like white wool. This guy's got hair like white wool. You know, that means you must be eternal like the Father is eternal. You must look like the Father, therefore you must be eternal like the Father is eternal. Amen? <laughs> John, do, John doesn't quite know what's happening, as you probably wouldn't either. He was a bit awestruck, hallelujah, by what he sees, but then he continues to have a closer look. How many of you know if there was someone like the Son of Man with blazing white hair standing before you, you, you'd want to have a closer look? And so then he looks at his eyes. He looks into the eyes and he says, and his eyes were like flames of fire. This is our Savior, this is our King. We need to look into those eyes. Because the reason his eyes are like fire because his heart burns like fire for you. His heart burns like fire for the nations of the earth. His heart burns like fire for the fulfillment of the redemption of mankind. His eyes are like fire because he knows there's coming a time where all things will come together and the glorified church will be brought to him. His eyes burn like fire because he sees the bride of Christ being made ready to eat with him on that day, to be with him eternally. His eyes blaze like fire because he sees the eternal in you. As you look at the eternal in him, he sees the eternal in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to look at those burning eyes more often and find him as he is, not as he was. It is crucial for the churches not to just encounter the doctrine of the Messiah, but to encounter the man with the eyes like fire. This will be essential for the end time church to walk in victory. And this is the message I'm trying to give you It's not a pastoral message. I'm saying to you, you need to look into these eyes. You need to spend time with this man so that you'll be prepared and won't be caught off guard like the disciples were caught off guard in the Garden of Gethsemane. Amen? You don't just need doctrine, but you need a current encounter with the man. Amen? And then he continues to look. He said, his feet were like fine brass. And you know what this speaks of? This speaks of the certainty that he is going to judge the hostile kingdoms that are coming against God's people. Now, you might be discouraged right now thinking, where is God? I can't believe it. They're killing babies. They've just passed a law in America this week that says not only can you kill a full-term baby by abortion, but if it comes out and it's still alive, you can kill it on the table. They actually said murder is okay. And they've passed it in three states in Australia so far, full-term abortion, full-term abortion for social choice. I just don't feel like having a baby, a full-grown baby, inject it with Selene solution, watch it die inside the womb for 48 hours as it thrashes around in agony. Give birth to a dead baby. Don't tell me that's not going to affect the psyche of women all over the world. And it's, it's Baal worship. It's sacrificing our children again to Baal, amen? That's another, that's another, poor. His feet, his feet declare, The certainty that he's going to judge the hostile kingdoms that are coming against God's people. And so that's like an encouragement to us. Say, where are you, God? Oh, I'm right here. I'm in the midst of you. I have a plan. It's a perfect plan. And you just stay connected to me and we're going to walk through this. You're going to see the greatest victory you've ever seen in the world. Do you think that he would let Satan unleash such evil on the world without having a plan of counterattack? Do you think that he would let his church sit around? But we need to wake up. We need to wake up. We need to wake up out of slumber. And don't let the enemy put you to sleep. Fight against it. Fight against discouragement. Stand up. Hold up the cross of Jesus Christ and stand so that we will not be overtaken. Amen? And the glory of God will fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. The glory of God is you. Every Christian standing up in glory will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. The earth will be covered with Christians. There'll be nowhere for people to turn anymore as Christians are given their voice and they're given authority and they see the one with burning eyes and they see the one with the burning heart and they get his burning heart and they have to speak and they have to love and they have to put things right. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I'm so pregnant. God, I'm giving birth right now, and you're not quiet when you give birth. Do you think so, Angela? Like you just go, eh, eh. oh, this baby. Oh, it's nice. No, you give birth. It says that 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 heaven suffers violence. Right. And violent people take it by force. And today I want you to stand up and take it by force. I want you to come out of your complacency. There are three things, I'm just going to quickly tell you this, this is not part of my notes, but it's just to add in, a throw in. As I've been studying the book of Revelations, chapters 1, 2, and 3, it's amazing. But in the chapters 1, 2, and 3, there are three things where Jesus speaks to the seven churches. He comes and he brings a rebuke to them and he comes and, and brings an exhortation to them. But there are three things that he focuses on with those seven churches. And he's saying, this is where you're going and you're not going to make it through the end times if you stay going that way. Three things. Number one, complacency. He challenges complacency. Now, if Jesus is only mentioning three things, we better put our mind to it. Complacency, laziness, pulling back, passivity. And a lot of the, the people in those churches those days weren't pulling back because of just being lazy. There was a lot of them were pulling back through fear of persecution and through fear of not being socially acceptable, the fear of not being politically correct. So they were pulling back and they were becoming complacent because they refused to stand up for what was truth. That's just one. That's just a throwaway for you. Take away. Number two, it was immorality. They were agreeing with immoral things in society and twisting scriptures to try and make them look right. I'll leave that one with you. Number three, idolatry. People used to worship idols in the Old Testament so they could be empowered and get more money. And, and he was saying there's going to come a day when the church will be idol-worshiping materialism, money and empowering and looking at those things and forgetting about me. So there's just a throwaway for you. Three things. What are they? Complacency. Immorality idolatry. Watch out for those three things in your life. Amen. And look at the things on the earth and you'll see that that's where the earth is going. Under the, under the, under the covering of those three things. Oh, <clears throat> And his voice, John keeps looking, and then he said, and his voice was as the sound of many waters. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in the presence. I've been in the presence of an angel many times. But there was this one time when I was on a 40-day fast on water and I was praying for the nation of Australia and I was praying for 40 days for the nation of Australia, not not hardly sleeping, not eating, just praying 24 hours a day. And I was in my prayer room, was flat on my face and all of a sudden I felt this presence in the room and I felt like I was going to die. I started to shake, I started to... I was just like, oh my God, like what is going on? I want to die. The presence in this room is so intense. Then I saw the ceiling open and I saw an angel with his feet on the ground and its head was about 60 feet tall. And I looked up shaking and crying and wailing and he said, I am a messenger and I have come straight from the presence of God. Will you receive what I have given you today? And I'm telling you, that that was like the sound of many rushing waters, that voice. I felt the whole building was having an earthquake and it was only an angel. Now, I won't tell you the rest of that story. But what I'm saying, when, when John hears the voice of the Son of Man, he says that the, his voice was the sound of many waters. For 2,000 years, the nations have been ignoring and dismissing the voice of Jesus. But he is coming back and when he does, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Every eye will see him, hallelujah, and they will have to hear him and he will not be dismissed again. He has a voice of authority that will be capturing the attention of all the nations at one time. And they won't be able to deny his voice. But we're not waiting for him to return to hear that voice. See, through his blood we have access right now to have a revelation of who he really is right now. Verse 16, I'm going to go about 10 minutes over. Is everyone okay with that? Because if you're not, we're locking the back doors and... um, I need to get this out and give birth, amen. And this is a big message and I apologize, but you know, this is God speaking, and we need to make time. You go and sit in a three hour movie, you don't care. You come to church for an hour and a half and you're all panicking. Take a breath, relax. God is here. Amen. Give him your honor and give him your time. Hallelujah. I'm just saying that. And um I'm bossy today, aren't I? <laughs> Evan, have you ever seen me like this as your mother-in-law? I'm not. I'm gentle and quiet, aren't I? <laughs> I don't boss my sons around. No. So look at these in verse 16. You ready for some more revelation? A couple more things and then we're going to finish. Verse 16, he had in his hand, his right hand, seven stars. See, if you just look at the interpretations of these things, you will be, you'll be freaked out. So the seven stars, the scriptures are clear that these are the senior leaders of the seven churches, the apostolic leaders of those seven churches and what he's saying in this is that I have my leadership in my right hand, I'm going to carry them through this, I will be near them if they will be near me and don't touch my anointed ones because they're in my right hand. And I am viciously jealous over the leaders that I have put in place and over the price that they have paid. Do you know, church is becoming like a consumer activity, and it really grieves me that that people walk into our church and do a checklist, like they do in a shop, like they do in a restaurant, like they do in a cafe. Oh, the food was okay. The people weren't that friendly. And they do a checklist. Church is not a consumer activity and the men and women of God that have paid a price to bring you the word of God are in the right hand of Jesus Christ and he is carrying them and he's upholding them in Jesus' name and they are doing exactly what he's called them to do, I would hope, if they're spending time with him and touch not his anointed ones. Don't speak about any pastor, any church. For God's sake, it's the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. So he says, I'm going to... Ben, they're in my right hand. They are near to me. They are dear to me. My people, my leadership are in my right hand and I'm going to help them in these last days to lead you. Listen, everyone needs leaders. Sometimes we get lost. And God gives us leaders to lead us. Not to yell at us or tell us, but to lead us into righteousness. Amen. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. He has the power in his words to pierce through any schemes of darkness. Don't be overwhelmed by what you see, people. Don't think that we are the tail and not the head. We are the head and not the tail. Because the sound of Jesus' voice can break through any darkness. The sound of his voice can liberate any bondage. Amen? It's a sharp, two-edged sword. Do you know what a two-edged sword is? It has two edges, right? One edge is the word that Jesus speaks. The other edge is when we repeat what he has spoken. It's a two-edged sword. Jesus speaks something. He speaks liberty, he speaks deliverance, he speaks freedom to the captives. He puts that word in us. Hallelujah. We speak it out and we are the the other edge of that sword that breaks through. See, unless we say what he says, nothing happens. Nothing happens. We have the power. All authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations. Amen. And then it would go on. And I could go on. Each one of these topics, I've gone for half an hour, Evan. This is, honestly, read it for yourself and sit on each one. What does it mean, Jesus, that out of your mouth will come a two-edged sword? What does that mean? Show me. Give me revelation, Holy Spirit. Let me see him. And it says, then his face was brighter than the sun shining in its strength. Oh, my God. Jesus. See, John doesn't really grasp what's going on. And he responds like we would probably respond. And the Word of God says, he trembles and he falls down at Jesus' feet as a dead man. And people say, why do you get slain in church by the power of God? People just falling down. You're pushing them over. Like if you come into the presence of Jesus Christ, I challenge you to stand. I challenge you not to shake. Here's John. He's 90 years of age and he sees Jesus. He's seen a lot of stuff as a disciple. He's seen a lot of stuff. He's had angelic visitations. He's, he's seen stuff. He's raised the dead. He's, he's, he's been heal, healing people. He's doing, seen Jesus. He's walked with Jesus for three years. Now he sees this scene, Jesus, as he is, and he trembles and he falls down like a dead man. But the Scriptures say, but he laid his right hand on to me, on me and said, "Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore." Amen. Just imagine this scene with me for a minute. John's fallen down. He's shaking. Jesus, beautiful Jesus, majestic Jesus, in all his glory, reaches down and puts his hand on him and says, John, John, it's me. It's just me. Aren't you the one that put your head on my breast at the last supper 60 years ago? Don't you recognize me, John? Or didn't you really know who I was when I walked among you? That's what he's saying. John is shaking. There's never anyone more intimate with Jesus than John. There never was in the Scriptures anyone more intimate than John, but he is absolutely awestruck. You think that you have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ now, that you have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? I have But I'm telling you, I'm going into days now, I have been in the presence of Jesus this week where I am awestruck by what he's revealing to his church and to his people. He had never seen the measure of power and majesty in his dear friend Jesus. He saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration and that was pretty intense. But this is far beyond the glory that Jesus unveiled about himself, even on the Mount of Transfiguration And he falls like a dead man. Woo! This says this to me. When we see him more fully according to who he is, and understand we'll never see him totally fully in this age. We understand that, don't we, Tom? Through the scriptures we know that one day we will see him and we will be made perfect as he is perfect. So we're not perfect. Get over trying to be perfect, we're not. But as we see him more fully according to who he is now, the more we see him, the more easily we will die to our own agendas. The more we'll let go, the more we don't care, the more we see him, we just want to see him more and we want to do what he's called us to do. Amen. The more we see him, the more we see ourselves. The more we see him, everything makes sense. Instead of being on the ground, and involved in all our little affairs, and overwhelmed by, I can't pay that bill, and that person said they didn't like me, and on Facebook I haven't got enough likes, and, oh, I need to turn Netflix on to just get my mind off of this stuff. You know, instead of being down here, we need to come up. Jesus says, come up. Come up where I am and I will show you indescribable things that you have not yet seen. Amen. You know, Paul, Saul had a similar encounter. In Acts chapter 9, we read the account of Saul, the religious zealot, the persecutor of the Christians on his way to Damascus, when suddenly a white light from heaven flashed around him and he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city and do what I tell you to do. And I'm saying to you this morning, it is Jesus that's speaking to you this morning. Get up, go into the places that you're supposed to be and do what Jesus is telling you to do. Hallelujah. Revelation from Jesus leads to total transformation he was transformed so much that his name was changed and he would say these things he said the excellency of the knowledge of this man I would give up everything all is worthless to me it means nothing to me but to see the excellency of this man There's a friend of mine, Mike Bickle, that I listen to. He's a prophetic teacher. And a lot of these revelations I've been getting from him, he's an amazing teacher. And it says this, he prays this prayer often every day. He says, Lord, if you let me see what Paul saw, I can respond like Paul responded. I don't want Paul's ministry, he says, but I want to respond in the abandonment that Paul did. Because the reason Paul was abandoned, not because he was zealous, but because he could see clearly. He saw clearly who Jesus was. I don't want to try harder. I don't want you to try harder. I don't want to put on a religious bondage on you. of trying to work your way into this. But all I'm saying is, why don't you give more attention to this? Give more attention to being in his presence, as Bree said, Set aside the first fruits of your morning. Sit in a chair, pray in the Spirit. Give him 10 minutes and then you'll go, that's not enough, I need 20. And like me this week is like, it's not enough, I need three hours. I don't even want to go out of the house, he's here with me so strong. That's how I was this week. Because the more we see him, the more we want to give him. The more we see him, the more we want to give him. The challenge with the church at large is the lack of seeing him. We've become comfortable, content, lazy, idolatrous, immoral, and we don't see him in the midst of us in Jesus' name. He's more than biblical doctrine. He's more than just a way of salvation or a lifestyle choice. It says that the church of today, they want this. They want I, want, I want to go to church to be comfortable. I want to go to church to meet friends. I want to go to church so that I prosper in my finances. And I want to go to a church that maybe touches on sin but never makes me feel like I need to repent. That's the church that we live in in 2019. This is not this church I pray, Jesus Jesus, please, Jesus, deliver us. We don't want to be that church. We want to love you, Jesus. We want to be real with you. We want to follow your word. We want to be true disciples of yours. We want you, Jesus, more than anything else. And Jesus, yes, there's things and there's, there's persecution There's stuff that comes against us. There's struggles. There's financial hardships. There's pressures. There's kids that are naughty. There's all these things that happen in our world. But if we can get Jesus in the middle, if we can get Jesus as the center, everything else comes into order. Amen? Hallelujah. I don't read. I'm nearly finished, and I'm just going to ask the band to come up now. I'm not, trying, I'm not saying to try harder, please. This isn't about trying harder. This is about finding your first love and letting it spark inside of you something fresh and new because he's new every morning. I'm not saying to, to try harder, but to cultivate this insight. Will you cultivate this insight? Will you take what God is saying to you Will you be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word? Don't walk out of here today and forget about this. I encourage you to go onto C3 Tugra webpage in the next few days. Stephen, when does the podcast go up? Tuesday, Wednesday, the podcast will go up. I encourage you to listen to this again and take notes because this this is intense revelation in here and you will not remember it. You will not. We cannot. I don't read the word out of obligation So when I sit down to read the Word, I don't do it out of obligation. But I read the Word because the sparks of insight within the Word liberate my heart. I'm liberated by it. Amen? I spend time with Him not out of obligation, but out of a deep hunger to see Him more clearly. You know, there's that old song, Day by day, oh Lord, day by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things I pray, come on, to see Thee more clearly, to love Thee more dearly, to follow Thee more nearly, day by day by day by day, yeah, it's that. I spend time with Jesus because I want to see Him more clearly. I want to love Him more deeply. He deserves it. He deserves all that I have. And do you know what? When I love him like that, I find out that my life is blessed and happy and joyful. And in the midst of whatever I'm going through, I'm excited for life. I'm young and I'm fresh and I'm alive and I've got energy to live and I've got energy to face the devil and tell him to get off in Jesus' name, amen? amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, in 1982... I was an unsaved person who had never heard the gospel. I was 21 years of age. I was in a really hard place in my life, not understanding scripture, not understanding anything, never read a Bible, never heard the name of Jesus in my life. 21. I'm in a hotel room and Jesus Christ himself comes. I don't know who it is. All I see is the face of a man with hair white as wool, with eyes like blazing fire. I have no understanding of what this means. But Jesus comes to me as a 21-year-old girl and not just reveals himself as saviour, but reveals himself as the glorified Lord to call me to follow him. He looks at me and says, speak my name and you'll be safe. I went to say, I don't know your name. Then out of the depths of my being, out of the very place where he created me in my mother's womb comes the name. You are Jesus. You are Jesus. You are Jesus. Now I'm telling you, 38 years later, 38 years later, I still see his face as soon as I close my eyes. It changed me forever. But I'm telling you, I'm not satisfied with that. I didn't even understand what white hair meant until I read the scriptures. About went, oh my gosh, I had a vision like John. And it's so weird. He was showing me so that I could show you that there is more. There is much more. Each season of my life requires a further revelation of a certain facet of Jesus. Of those seven churches, He revealed a particular facet of Himself to each church. And each season of my life requires a fresh facet of who He is. Each season of your life requires a fresh facet of who Jesus is. Let Him reveal Himself to you afresh today, this week, tonight. We're going to do a, 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 a worship. An impartation night. We have nothing prepared except a few songs. And we're going to believe that God is going to come. We're going to lay hands on people. We're going to believe for encounters for people of God. We're not just going to talk the talk. but We're going to walk the walk. We're going to open the altar. We're going to allow you time to be in the presence of God, undisturbed by human teaching. And we're going to open up the windows of heaven and allow people to have encounters. 5 p.m. to 6.30 30. One to six-year-olds babysitting. Otherwise, bring your kids to get in the presence of God, because I'm telling you, He will visit with your children. Amen. In Jesus' name, let's stand to our feet. Jesus, only You. Jesus, only You. Now, what, when you say that, does that make more sense to you right now? Jesus, only You. Jesus, only You. Why don't you say that right now? Jesus, only You. Jesus, only you. Now, if you're in this building and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have never confessed with your mouth as I did, Jesus, if you've never confessed His name, Never been born again, never had your eyes open to the spiritual realm, every eye closed right across this room right now. Maybe you were with God once and you've fallen away. I want you to lift your hand right now. We're going to pray with you in the power of God that you will be changed. Thank you. Any more hands? Raise those hands. Eyes closed right across this room. Give people privacy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus, we ask that you would reveal yourself. Come on, let's pray this together. Jesus. Reveal yourself to me. Jesus, come in power. Come on, lift your hands up. Lift your hands up right across this room. Open my eyes. Come on, repeat this after me. Open my eyes. Take the blindfolds from my eyes. Let the scales fall off my eyes. Open my ears. Let me hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Move me out of this place. Let me move forward in greater glory, from glory to glory. Wake me up. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And let me live for you with passion. Let me see your face. Let me see your burning eyes. Let me hear you. And feel your burning heart. Let me be a true Christian disciple. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing this. Jesus, only you. Now sing it with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Jesus. We glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the mighty God. And we declare breakthrough in lives, breakthrough in finances, breakthrough in blessings. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You're the one that I adore. Jesus. There is no one. You will always have my heart, Jesus. Jesus, only you. Come on, sing it again. Oh, Jesus. We declare revival to fall in this place. We declare the Spirit of God to fall in this place. Hallelujah. Awakening. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c 3 tagraorgau We hope to see you at church soon.